We have come as far as verse 9. John tells us about his commission to write. He says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, here's his commission, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, the churches of Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. You know, here's John. He's in Patmos. He's banished. There were two types of banishment in Rome at this point in time. One, of course, you were banished. You lost your citizenship. You were never allowed in Roman territory again. It was an and there were other banishments relative to uh, punishment, relative to incarceration, and often put on an island. Most Christians, Domitian is burning them at the stake. He's feeding them the lions in the arena. He's slaughtering them. They don't know your name. They don't know who you are. You're just a Christian. But when they had someone with notoriety, somebody like John, somebody in the political world that was known, rather than make them a martyr, they would banish them. And uh, John is now on this Isle of Patmos, about 10 miles long, uh, 14 square miles, 25, 30 miles off the coast of Turkey. And uh, he's there. It is um, a penal island. It is... Um, there was a quarry there. Uh, it was labor-intensive. Uh, some of the church fathers tell us he was there for a year and a half till Domitian died, and then he went back to Ephesus, then where he went home to be with the Lord. Um, some say he was involved in heavy labor at, at his age. You think of him... 85 to 90 on a rocky island. There's no, you know, must have been cold. Uh, I don't like to be cold. I like the cold. I like to wear a parka and defy the cold. I like to sit in front of my wood stove. I like the cold weather. I just don't like to be cold. And you can imagine he's there. Uh, the church is being slaughtered by Domitian. He's been separated from it all. He's on this island, and he must be thinking, Lord, this, where is this? I'm the last eyewitness. I have the testimony for this generation. What is going on, Lord? And I think he has something to say to us today because we can spend a lot of time thinking who is in control is anybody in control? Are Democrats in control? Are Republicans in control? Is Moscow in control? Is Washington in control? Is London in control? Who's in control? We're looking at half of the children born in the United States out of wedlock. We're looking at, you know, 
cuties. We're looking at the insanity that's going on around us. We're looking at the racial problems. We're looking at the protests. We're looking at COVID. We're looking at everything going around us. And we can have this attitude. Is anybody in control? Oh, there's this new court case where they brought in, uh, you know, Mueller and his buddies. Somehow all of their phones are erased and washed and bleached. You know, it, it, it almost has gotten to the point where, you know, we don't want to do anything about it. We don't know who's telling us the truth. You look, is anybody in control? Everything seems out of control. And maybe John, at this point in his own heart, his life felt that way. He's on this Isle of Patmos. But before he gets on this off this island, he's going to realize there was no better place for me to be. There was no greater revelation of my king and of my Lord and my master that I have ever had before in my life than I had in this place where I thought I was banished. And sometimes in our lives there's a sanctified loneliness. God gets us alone. It can be in the middle of a crowd. Sometimes you sit in a crowded room and feel lonely. Sometimes, you know, some people are lonely because they're weird, you know. But, but I mean, there's, there's, for God's children, sometimes there's just a sanctified loneliness. He took Moses alone. He took John the Baptist alone. He took Paul alone. Here he has John alone, and he's going to speak to him. And he's on this aisle called Patmos, he tells us here in verse 9. And he says, I am your brother. Now, uh, uh, ours too. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say, I'm the last living apostle. Hopefully, if I die here, they'll build a shrine, the shrine of St. John the Divine on Patmos. No, he says, I'm your brother. Because what he's going to see puts him down with everybody else. There's no doubt that he's just a man after what comes before his eyes in this place. I'm your brother. And he says, I'm your brother in tribulation. Look, companion is, the part of the word is koinonia. We, we share this in common. Tribulation, from the root word tribulum in, in the Latin, it, it's the part of the threshing sled that drags over the grain to separate the wheat from the chaff. And no doubt John is realizing this has been allowed by God. I'm in tribulation like the rest of the church is in tribulation. But it's separating the wheat from the chaff. And he, sa- he says, I'm not, you know, entitled to anything more than you were in this together. And he says, and in the kingdom, we have this in common, patience bearing up under things, supermony, for Jesus Christ. And I was in the isle that is called Patmos. And he says he's there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So uh, he's there because of the word of God, or is he there to receive the word of God? Scholars argue there. Is he there for being faithful? If that's the truth, what he's saying is, I'm here for preaching the word and, and the gospel, and this is what I get. You know, I'm faithful, and I do all this, you know, Or he's saying, I was in this island to receive the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Remember verse 2 said, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. It seems as he's writing this, he's writing about purpose. That he was there to receive the word of God in regards to the testimony of Jesus Christ. But look, both are true. He was, all, he was also there because he was faithful. 
He wasn't there because he was a quiet guy and nobody knew who he was. He was there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. But he obviously is also there for, to receive the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he tells us that, he said, I was in the spirit, he says, on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. We're going to get by this stuff. Again, scholars argue about this. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Is he saying I was spirit filled on Sunday? This is John the Apostle. Seems like the whole church should know that. I was spirit filled on Sunday. I don't know about Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but I was spirit. I don't think that's what it's saying. There's no article. It literally says, I was in spirit. In fact, the Greek says, I became in spirit. The Lord's, on the Lord's day, in the Lord's day, uh, my personal conviction, he's saying, I was carried into the day of the Lord. And scholars, and I'm not one, disagree over this. We do know it tells us this in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says there, After these things I looked, and behold, the door was open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said unto me, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in spirit again, and he's carried there to the throne of God. In chapter 17, he says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on the, this beast. The verse in chapter 21, he says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. So he seems to be saying here, I was carried to the day of the Lord. I was in spirit. I became in a spiritual state where I was open to the things around us. Look, all of us here need to be spirit-filled on Sunday. Right? I mean, all of us want to be spirit-filled on Sunday. But we need something else. We need to have our spiritual perceptions sharpened and opened. Our perceptions are clogged with media. Our vision is tainted with all of the things that are put before our eyes and our heart and our flesh. We want to see the world change. We want to see all the insanity infected with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what we need and if you don't pray for me, is a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. A fresh vision of Jesus Christ. We need to be in spirit. We need to be in the place where God opens our hearts to his word. If, if we haven't been reading, he opens our hearts to the leading of his spirit. If we haven't been yielding, he opens our hearts to love those around us. If we haven't been doing it, he opens our hearts to forgive. He opens our hearts to see his glory. He opens up our hearts to embrace us. He opens our hearts to teach our children and not let the world teach our children. He opens our hearts, you know, to do those things. We need to be in spirit. And one of the things we need to keep before us is the blessed hope, the day of the Lord. It has to happen. Or, or, or we're not worth our salt. It has to happen. He says, I was in spirit 
I believe, unto the Lord's day. And he said, I heard behind me a great voice. Now he says, doesn't say it was a trumpet. He says, as of a trumpet. As we read down, he's going to say it was like this, and it was as this, and it was like this. He's trying to describe his experience to us. So he says, he says, I heard behind me this great voice. Now, as a trumpet, he's going to tell us further down, as the voice of many waters. Here he's saying there was something in regards to announcement. There was something like grabbing my attention. The voice I heard at this point was like a trumpet. And to a Jew, you know, there, there was a thought that went that, with that. There was an announcement. There was something. He said, I heard this voice, as it were, of a trumpet saying, trumpets don't talk, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what thou seest, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, uh, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And he says what we would understand. He says, I turned to see the voice that spoke unto me, as you and I would after we got up from our heart attack. We would turn around and want to see who spoke to us like a trumpet. And he says, being turned, I saw seven golden, not candlesticks, it's lampstands. They didn't use candles then, they used oil lamps. So he, he, sa he says, I turned to see, that word see means to glance at, blepo. I just turned to get a glance. And he says, when I turned, I saw oida, I perceived. It wasn't just a glance. My heart and my vision was filled with something. And he said there were seven golden lampstands. This is not the menorah. These are separate lampstands. It seems all in their own base. And then he gives us this description. Now, verses 13 down to 17 is the only description in the New Testament we have Jesus of Jesus Christ. Nobody tells us he had black, raven black hair, or uh, what his complexion was. Uh, did he have dark brown eyes? Was he six foot one? You know, th there's no physical description of Jesus Christ in the New Testament fittingly, but here. Here. This is our Lord. This is our Master. Listen to what he says. I turned to glance at the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I perceived. I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, human figure, no doubt, Daniel. You read on your own, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus' favorite title for himself in the gospel, the Son of Man, taken from Daniel 7. I saw one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, which is a picture of a priesthood or of a king of royalty, of authority, clothed with a garment down to the foot, gird about the, the back paps, the chest with a golden girdle, with a, some type of a breastplate, golden around his chest, it says. His head and his hairs 
were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. So just he didn't have just white hair. His white, it, it, there was a whiteness to his hair and his head, he says, which was like snow. It was like wool. It was pure. It was, you know, when, when they are at the transfiguration, which is a foretaste of this, he sees Jesus there and, and he says he's transfigured, that his clothes shined, you know, like the sun. It was like lightning. They were glistening. And here is the first time he's seen Jesus in over 60 years. Here he's seeing the one upon whose breast he had lain at the Last Supper. John knows why he's on Patmos now. He knows why he's there now. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes, they were a flame of fire. And his feet were like brass burning in a furnace. They were glowing. And his voice, it was like the sound of many waters. He can't say it sounded like a locomotive or a jet engine. This is, you know, it was like the voice of many waters. He's on Patmos, continually hearing the drone of the surf. You know, he couldn't say it sounded. If you've ever been to Niagara Falls, I have. The sound is incredible, he says. It was like the, his, his voice was like the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. This is the huge Thracian sword, about six foot long, razor sharp on both sides. Could easily take off a leg, an arm, a head. And there were records of those coming straight down on top of the head and splitting a person down to the groin. This is a sword to be reckoned with. He says, out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And you know what John realizes here? <clears throat> he realizes what you and I need to realize. Somebody is in control. Somebody is in control, and it isn't Domitian, and it isn't Caesar, and it's not the Republicans, and it's not the Democrats, it's not the protesters, it's not the nuclear weapons, it's not the military forces of the world, it's not the injustice. Who's in control is this person, standing above and beyond all of it in his glory and in his power, and that's who we're going to see one day when we stand at his throne. Everything else is going to... And look, we have to be careful because because we, we see on, you know, I don't go on there but other guys Facebook all these things some of you being mean to each other about politics some of you gossiping about one another listen John says when I saw him I fell down like a dead man Daniel said when he saw the Lord all of his comeliness all of his beauty turned to ashes Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and I fell down and said, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, 
Paul says those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. If you want to compare yourself with somebody, here's the comparison. We're being conformed into his image and likeness. I ain't seeing nobody here with glowing eyes. I don't see nobody here with burning feet. I don't see anybody here that's uh, close enough yet that you get to judge somebody else. Understand me? John, when he saw him, he said, I'm your brother. I'm your comrade in tribulation and impatience. Because there is one. There is one. And he is in glory. And he's above Domitian. He's above Caesar. He's above governments. He's above everything. And he is our destiny. And he is where we're going. And he, he rules the world. He wants to rule our hearts and rule our lives. And that needs to happen. Nobody can stop his church from meeting Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. Nobody can stop his church from worshiping. Nobody can stop the gospel from going forth. Paul said the word of God is not bound. Nobody, no entity. China hasn't stopped the word of God in the church. Russia hasn't stopped the word of God in the church. Iran and Islam has not stopped the word of God in the church. And COVID will not stop the word of God and the church. We gather around a risen, glorified, all-powerful Savior who loves us. Who loves us. John says, when I saw him, look what he says here. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And when you're 90, that don't take much. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And look what he says. He laid, notice this, not his hand, his right hand. Nail pierced. Nail pierced hand. He put his right hand upon me, saying unto me, and to us, fear not. Fear not. I am the first, and I am the last, the beginning and the end, the origin and the destiny. I am he that liveth, present tense, that is living, that's today, was dead, and behold, consider this, I am alive forevermore unto the ages of ages Amen. I want to say that amen when I hear him say that. Everything's under my control. You don't need to be afraid. I'm the one who is alive. And he says, this is, it points to the incarnation. I became dead. I understand what he's saying. And John, you know, he must be thinking, this one in glory, his eyes a flame of fire, his head and his hair is white as wool, the golden bap, you know, his paps clothed this golden you know, breastplate and his, his eyes a flame of fire and his feet like burnished bronze and this sharp two-edged sword going out of his mouth and his voice like the sound of many waters cried in a manger in Bethlehem. 
This picture helps us understand the incarnation. This is the God in the center of everything who loves us and who loves all those people out there that are not saved. This is the one that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But whosoever would believe in him would have everlasting life, not perish. This one was tired, was thirsty, was beaten, was spit upon, was mocked. The crown of thorns, the scourging. I became dead. He entered that for us. And the one who came and took on human flesh so he could be our kinsman redeemer, who paid a price beyond what we can imagine, says, you don't need to be afraid. I'm the first and the last. It's not like I'm the first, but I ain't the last, so I'm telling you, I don't think you need to be afraid, but we'll figure out the rest when we get there. He says, I'm the first, I'm the last. You don't need to be afraid. I paid the price. The price is paid. I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. I have the keys. They're in his hand. Isn't it wonderful to know our lives are in his hand? He has the keys. He rules over us. He cares for us. He died for us. He took on human flesh, this King of kings, this Lord of lords. Sometimes our lives are so consumed with material things. Sometimes we attach our happiness to the things we can put our hands on and the things that look nice in this world. And we, and we load our lives with things that one second after we step into glory and see him will be rubbish. It'll blow away in the wind. It won't mean anything. And we put such emphasis on those things. John said, this is what I saw. I'm only your brother. Trust me. We're in this together. Because we're all going to fall down in front of this one. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian. All created his image. All image bearers. All is genius. That's what's going to happen. And this is going to fade away. Isaiah tells us that this present world is going to be gone and that all of the things of it will be forgotten. And for eternity, everything will be right. Eternity, everything's going to be right. This ain't heaven, if anybody has noticed recently. That is... He said, I have the keys of Hades and of death. So John, write. He wants him to write three things. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. Things which thou hast seen, the first chapter. The things which are are the seven churches, 
And the things which will be here after and for those churches speak about the return of the Lord. So they're viewed all the way down to the things that are hereafter. He explains, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest. Now, it said before he had these seven stars in his hand. Now it says he has the seven stars upon his hand. The mystery that thou sawest of the seven uh, in my hand, the stars which were in my hand, right hand. No, he doesn't say he put the stars down to lay his right hand on John, by the way. This is a, this is a vision. This is a, you know, this is something that John is in spirit. He's perceiving, he's seeing. It, it says, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest upon my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, not candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which thou sawest are the seven churches. So write the things you've seen, write the things that are, the seven lampstands are the seven churches and write the things that will be after these things metatauta when we get to chapter 4 chapter 4 verse 1 it says and after these things metatauta and it gives us then the rest of the book in these divisions here that we see as we look at it who are the seven angels again scholars argue here and it kind of blows my mind uh, these have to be literal angels because the word is used uh, 67 other times in the in the uh, the book of Revelation. And then why would this word angels be different than the other angels? So this must be angels. Uh, there are seven angels. Each one's in charge of a church. And uh, God needs to write a letter to them from John, our brother, because they don't know what's going on. Seven times in the New Testament, it's used of messengers. Angelos. Behold, I send my messenger, John the Baptist, before thy face. Angelos. The translation is messenger. The transliteration often is angels. That's what we see. Angels don't need to be reproved for their shortcomings. And as we go through the seven churches, each one is challenged and in a singular challenging someone involved with what's wrong there. Angels don't need mail. What John is seeing here is what they see all the time. In fact, it says they long to look into the things concerning the heirs of salvation. They don't understand this side that we live on. So the angels of the seven churches then would be the pastors, the leaders, the elders, whoever it might be. And as we start to look into those churches, again, look, four of them speak about the second coming. Each one of those churches say, he who has an ear, it's singular, let him be hearing what the Spirit is presently saying to the churches. So each one of them are written to us as well. When we look at who's speaking here, you and I should want to hear what he has to say to his churches. Right? He loves you. 
He died for you. He became dead for you. It wasn't just like another human dying for another human. Oh, he had human flesh. But the one who died for you, the reason you can not fear, the reason you can be assured that the price is paid, because the one who died for you has a voice like a trumpet. He shines like the sun in his strength. He has a golden breastplate, his feet burning like brazen bronze in a, in a furnace, a sword going out of his mouth, his voice like the sound of many waters, his countenance just overwhelming. That's the one who was crucified in your place. That is an infinite price paid for a finite human being. And what he would do for any of us is put his hand upon us and say, fear not. I'm alive forevermore. I became dead for you. And I have the keys. Look. That's what our eyes were made for. Not for pornography. Not for 15 hours of news every day. Not for every depressing depressing thing that surrounds us. Not for electronic gossip. Look, you know, our, our, our process of, of sight, vision takes place in the brain, not with the eyeballs, you know. The, the whole process of this is for this. This is what needs to fill our hearts and fill our visions. Yeah, we want to be spirit-filled on Sunday, right? And, and, and if you are judgmental and hatred and pointing the finger at one another and you're gossiping online and you're judging somebody by race, you ain't spirit-filled on Sunday. I'm sorry, you're in the flesh. But we want more than that. We want to be in spirit. We want to be in that place Or he can say to us, here I am. There is someone in control. All of this is just shakes, rattles, and rolls. It makes a lot of noise. But I'm in control. And I'm not up every four years for election. I am the Supreme Court. I am the strongest force in the world. The greatest military. You know, he's the one. And we have to have that. What, what are you going to say to the rest of this world? If we're, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I go to church on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, read your Bible. And, uh, and, and then all week be crazy and tied up with the world and screaming about this and screaming about that. No, no, we have to say to the rest of the world, my Savior loves me. He is all-powerful. He is coming again. He is establishing a kingdom where we will be forever and ever. He's going to gather us all around his throne. It doesn't matter what race we are, what color we are, what age we are. We're sinners saved by grace, and we're all made in his image, and he's going to gather us together. That's what has to control our hearts and our minds, and not all this nonsense that surrounds us. You can't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't buy into all of that. We should be good citizens here. We know what's right. We should do what's right. But this is not our citizenship. We should be good citizens here, but this is not our citizenship. This is our destiny. We're all going to be there together forever and ever and ever.
<laughs> now he's going to have some things to say to us. I encourage you to read ahead. Did anybody read ahead? Oh, good. Things are looking up here. <laughs> 19. That's so much better than last week where it was just four. Okay. Read ahead. Look. It would really do you good to read through the book, maybe once a week, but read at least a letter to the church of Ephesus, where we're going to be next week, if the Lord tarries. If not, you can ask John about it yourself. (laughs) I'm going to say to you what this old man, after Patmos, they brought him back to Ephesus. He couldn't walk. They would carry him into the church. He had a deep voice. They called him Brontophanos, thunder voice. Maybe that's why Jesus called him his brother, the sons of thunder, I don't know. They said they would carry him into the church and he was so weak and so frail. He would look at the church and he would say, little children, Love one another. Little children. Love one another. You're going to spend eternity together. Someone is in control. Things are not out of control. You can wipe 27 phones. They ain't wiped in eternity. The only thing that wipes in eternity is the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're glad for everything that wipes. And while we're here waiting, little children, love one another. All men will know you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Let's stand and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we put these things before you, Lord. Lord, we see you in the Gospels. We see you touching the leper, Lord. We see you raising the dead. No wonder, Lord, that you can do that. We see you walking on the water. No wonder you can do that, Lord. We see you in your humanity, Lord. We are amazed at what you laid aside to walk among us, Lord. That you were tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. That we have a high priest that can be touched with our infirmities. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need, Lord. We do that today, Lord. Lord, instead of looking at the rest of the world and what's broken and what needs to happen and what needs to change, Lord, let us look at our own hearts and our own lives and see what is broken and what needs to change. Lord, show us where we are cool, where we need to be on fire again, Lord. Show us how to love one another instead of criticizing one another, Lord. Show us how, Lord, to be filled with the Spirit and be in the Spirit, Lord. And Lord, let us all be able to take a deep 
sigh of relief and realize, wait, 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 there's a throne above Caesar. There is one who is in control of all. My Jesus, my master, my savior, my friend. And Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.